0: Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Leto. Both Bob and Rex sent me a note about a case uh, involving Bitcoin. And it's a story from uh, Krebs on Security. Krebs on Security. And it's a fascinating story. Here's some Bitcoin. Oh, and you've been served. <laughs> so it involves, you know, that crypto. But it also involves serving somebody with a lawsuit and how they can do that in this day and age. So a California man who lost $100,000 in a SIM-swapping attack a few years ago, is suing the unknown holder of a cryptocurrency wallet that harbors his stolen funds. The case is thought to be the first in which a federal court has recognized the use of information included in a Bitcoin transaction as reasonably likely to provide notice of a lawsuit to a defendant. So in this case, it would be a link to a civil claim filed in federal court. Experts say the development can make it easier for victims of crypto heists to recover stolen funds through the courts without having to wait years for law enforcement to take notice or help. So in theory, someone steals something from you. If you know who they are, you sue them and try to get it back. So turns out that this guy's Bitcoin was hijacked and he thinks he knows where it is. It's in a wallet. He doesn't control the wallet, though. So he's thinking he's going to sue the person who controls the wallet to get the money back. Doesn't know who that is. But it turns out that you can contact the holder of that wallet, theoretically, by putting something in that wallet with a little note on it. So the man is a healthcare worker in Fresno. He asserts that thieves stole his Bitcoin back in 2021 by executing an unauthorized SIM swap that involved an employee at his mobile phone provider who switched his phone number over to a new device that the attackers then controlled. They say the crooks then used his phone number to break into his account at Coinbase and siphon roughly $100,000 worth of cryptocurrencies. Coinbase is also named as a defendant in the lawsuit, which alleges the company ignored multiple red flags and should have detected and stopped the theft. Now, Coinbase has not responded to requests, but working with experts who track the flow of funds stolen in cryptocurrency heists, the man's lawyer identified a Bitcoin wallet that was the ultimate destination of his client's stolen crypto. The attorney says his client since been made aware that the Bitcoin address in question is embroiled in an ongoing federal investigation into a cryptocurrency theft ring. He said it's unclear if the Bitcoin address that holds the client's stolen money is being held by the government or by the anonymous hackers. And that's one of the things about Bitcoin, is you don't know these things. Nevertheless, he's pursuing a novel legal strategy that allows his client to serve notice of the lawsuit to that Bitcoin address without knowing the identity of his attackers or anything about the account holder. And if he does this and service is considered good, if the other side doesn't answer, then he could win a default judgment. If the other side does answer, they have to identify themselves. So take your pick. In a civil lawsuit seeking monetary damages, a default judgment is usually entered on behalf of the plaintiff if the defendant fails to respond within a specified time or fails to respond in an appropriate manner. Assuming that the uh, cyber criminals who stole the money don't dispute the claim, Experts say the money could be seized by cryptocurrency exchanges if the thieves ever tried to move it or spend it. But of course, that gets tricky because there might be some way they can move it without that happening. The U.S. courts have generally held that if you're going to sue someone, you have to provide some kind of meaningful and timely communication about the lawsuit to the defendant in a way that is reasonably likely to provide them notice. And most courts require a summons that follows a form, there's an actual form for it. And by that, I mean they, the courts lay it out, the language that's on it, what it looks like. And most courts will provide you with a blank one and say, fill this out, put all the information in. The court will look at it and then approve it and you go, go serve that on somebody. And Michigan's summonses and state court have some lines of directions. And line number one says, you are being sued. <laughs> Not so long ago, you would track down your defendant hire someone, like a process server. But legal experts say the courts have evolved their thinking in recent years about what constitutes meaningful service. So now, for instance, we've heard of cases that were filed via email, which, of course, causes problems. Because most mornings when I get up and I turn my my computer on, or if I look at my smartphone, uh, I've got just as much email in my trash as I do in my inbox. And I glance at it, but I don't know if there's stuff in there that I, I really shouldn't be chucking. Um... On December 14th, 2023, a federal judge in California granted this man permission to serve notice of his lawsuit directly to the suspected hacker's Bitcoin address using a short message attached to $100 worth of Bitcoin that the man would send to the address along with the message. Bitcoin transactions are public record and each transaction can be sent along with an optional short message. The message uses what's known as an op return, or an instruction of the Bitcoin scripting language that allows users to attach metadata to a transaction and thus save it to the blockchain. In the $100 Bitcoin transaction that this man sent the disputed Bitcoin address, the return message said, O oh, service, summons, complaint, U.S. District, Eastern District, California. It's abbreviated, but that's what it means. Link, and then there's a bit.ly link that you click on that will take you someplace. And if you click on that, It'll take you to a copy of the lawsuit hosted on Google Drive, which you could then read and realize, oh, I'm being sued. The courts are adapting to the new style of service of process, says a former federal prosecutor, and that's helpful and useful and necessary. So this is an interesting case. Uh, The story is quite lengthy because the guy gets really heavily into the workings of Bitcoin and uh, some of the travails this guy might encounter because... Yeah, you can look at it and go, it's in that wallet. But you don't have access to that wallet. And you don't know who does have access to that wallet. And the person who accesses that wallet might be on the other side of the planet. And so when you sue them, and let's assume that they don't respond, um, about a month later, you can default them and uh, (laughs) get your default judgment. Now you've got a default judgment. Collecting on a judgment is often harder than winning the judgment. And I've mentioned before, I've gotten judgments against very large corporations that went belly up, and it became a worthless piece of paper with a big number on it. And so that is what I suspect will be the hard part here. Now, obviously, if this person who controls that wallet steps forward and goes, no, uh, I'm innocent, Uh, I came by this money rightfully, and I can prove it in a court of law, they can litigate it. They can litigate it. But... I have a sneaky feeling. You said, Steve, um, you've predicted the future in the past with some varying degrees of success. <laughs> um, what do you think's going to happen here? What I think is going to happen is a time will pass, a default will enter, a default judgment will enter. And those are two different things, by the way. Uh, and then the guy will be sitting on a default judgment. And he'll take some action in an attempt to identify the holder of that wallet. And he'll probably run into a stack of dead ends. Now, it's possible that if the feds or somebody else are working and trying to pry that wallet open right now, they might get some traction that will help him. But if I had to guess, chances are it's not going to accomplish much. But it's worth the effort. Sounds like it's a lot of money, $100,000 back then. So we'll see what happens. But I have to clarify for you that a default is simply the legal mechanism that says that you are in default, therefore You are foreclosed from participating in this case any further. You cannot defend yourself. You just stand there while the case proceeds. Usually it happens because somebody doesn't answer a lawsuit. So you're served with a lawsuit. You look at it. You toss it. Okay? Other side comes along and says they didn't answer in time. I want a default. Judge goes, I'll grant you a default. The default will enter. Once the default is in place, they can then say we want a judgment. This is where it gets a little tricky. In some places, if you have an exact dollar amount in your complaint to where it's obvious what you're asking for, you can ask for a judgment at the same time you ask to default, and it's called a default judgment. However, if your complaint simply says, I'm looking for damages in excess of $100,000, well, that's not a specific amount. So you'll be forced to still litigate something, and that is the amount of your damages that you want to be turned into a default judgment. It's still called a default judgment, but... Um, and so you should know that in that case, you'd be putting in proofs as to what your damages were. They'd be unopposed, but I've seen it before. Someone comes into court and says, your honor, I've got like $3 billion in damages and I want a default judgment. Judge goes, show me. Person goes through what they got and the judge goes, uh, sounds more like uh, $200,000, not $3 billion." And the judge enters what the judge thinks is fair based on the evidence before him or her. And that's fine. You should also know that judgments... Uh, by default, or defaults themselves can be set aside. And this varies widely from state to state and court to court. But like Michigan court rules tell you when a default or default judgment can be set aside in the state of Michigan. So if somebody were to come forward and go, "Um, I just found out they have a default against me and I was never served. If you were not served, there's a good chance it'll get set aside. I've seen, unfortunately, a lot of people go into court and go, Your Honor, I was served. I just forgot about it. And I've seen a judge set that aside. And the court rules don't say they can do that, but they do it. Court rules say that they've got to show that they had good cause as to why they didn't answer on time and that they have a valid defense. And nine times out of ten, they file a thing going, we've got a valid defense and uh, we're here asking for a default to set aside. Okay, what's your good cause again? Why, why, why didn't you answer on time? And seriously, I can think of three or four examples in cases I have handled where I got a default against somebody and a default judgment, they come into court and they go, I got served and I just forgot about it. And I I did a video years ago about me personally serving people because attorneys are allowed to serve in Michigan, uh, summons and uh, process, uh, summons and complaint. And I actually served a guy personally, myself. Went to his house wearing his street clothes, knocked on his door. He answers. I go, boom, you're served. Okay. Time goes by never answers. I file the I, I, I default, get a judgment, and uh, an attorney calls me and he goes, hey, Steve, we want you to set this default aside. And I go, why? And he goes, my guy never got served. I go, good luck with that. And he goes, why is that? And I go, I served him myself. And he goes, oh, well, we still want you to set it aside. I go, of course you do, but I'm not going to. Your, your guy got served. He chose not to answer it. I got a judgment. I, I, we're going to court. You know, Guy files a motion to set it aside, and, and actually, I, I, I shouldn't have told him that I'd done the service myself. He might not have caught it, but my name and my signature and my name printed was on the return of service. So as he's going through the file, he would have seen, oh, Steve Leto served this himself. So when he went into court, he goes, Your Honor, we got a, we got a meritorious defense. We want the default set aside. The judge goes, yeah, what's your good cause? And he goes, my client got served. He's really busy that day. He got served at home, and he put the summons and complaint on top of his refrigerator and forgot about it judge goes, okay, I'm going to set it aside. And I go, um, your honor, what's the good cause for the lack of defense? And the judge goes, well, it's oversight. And if you've got a good case, you win anyway, so who cares? Well, it's just creating a ton of work. And the court rules say, here's what you do if you get sued. Remember, someone says, one, you're being sued. <laughs> Guy been sued before, too, by the way. So he knew what he's supposed to do with it. But this is an interesting case serving somebody via their Bitcoin wallet. We'll see what happens. Rex, thanks for sending that along with Bob. Krebs on Security Published. It's a very lengthy article, and it's pretty cool how the guy goes into all of this. But here's some Bitcoin. Oh, and you've been served. (laughs) Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. I owe my solitude to other people.